Powered by Clear Vision Development Group, this is Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast. Each week, we'll provide you with top business insights, fresh perspectives from world-class guests, and the tools you need to lead better than before. And now, here's your host, author and business coach, Tony Richards. everyone. Welcome to Better Than Before, our weekly trip on the CEO Leaders Podcast Show. And we have one clear objective, and that is to provide tools, information, and entertainment to make you better than before in business and in life. Our company's purpose is strictly to bring the best business ideas to the world. I'm your host, Tony Richards, along with Chief Producer Bill. Hello. You can subscribe to our podcast on Apple iTunes, on Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and now part of the C-Suite Radio Network. And we welcome all of you to today's show. Also want to remind you that we have our Exponential Leadership Retreat. This is the three-day leadership development experience that I have done the last four or five years. It's going on February 26th, 27th, and 28th. And I'm only doing it one time in 2019. So this is your only opportunity this year to take part in this unique development experience. We have several seats filled already. I think we have one or two still to go. And uh, you still have a chance to sign up uh, before we uh, run out of room. So go to our website, clearvisiondevelopment.com and uh, sign up and I'd love to uh, have you for three days uh, and so we can teach you some of the techniques and strategies that have made executives very very successful in the past and also speaking of that if you need a business advisor or coach I'd love to discuss working with you I can help you with your growth your executive team growth your culture uh, changes you want to make in your company places you're stuck, help you uh, gain some traction, help you get going, or help you reach those desired outcomes that you have. All you have to do is reach out at info, I-N-F-O, at clearvisiondevelopment.com, and we'd love to set up a time to visit with you. So, William, how are you doing this week? I'm good. How are you doing, Tony? I'm doing well. A lot going on. This is a busy January. I know, right? I was trying to figure out if it's just I took off too much time during the holidays and I'm having a hard time getting back into the swing of things, or this is the busiest January we've ever had. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, maybe a little bit of both. But I enjoy it. I mean, I enjoy working with the folks and and helping people and and, uh, working with our clients and doing the podcast show and all that. It's just... uh, it's been busy. January's flown by. Here we are. At the, this is the last show of January. Already. I know, right? So we're going to be traveling on into February here in just a few days. So let's get into some interesting things that we've noticed uh, here in the last little bit. Uh, we talk a lot about the technology companies uh, moving into different areas of our lives. And Alibaba, which is the Chinese uh, version of Amazon, kind of is the best way to explain it, I guess. They are using its company's reach 
on e-commerce, logistics, entertainment, and travel to change the way we consume and interact and participate in sports. The company's arm, Alley Sports, is leveraging Alibaba's expansive ecosystem and gigantic user base. How many people do you think use Alibaba? I don't know. You know there's more people probably that live in China than anywhere else. I mean, it's very densely populated, right? Uh-huh. 600 million people wow. use Alibaba. How does that compare to Amazon, do you know? I don't, I don't know. We should check that out. But yes. Alibaba's got a lot of momentum. It's scooping up broadcast rights and collecting information on participants and viewers to sell them everything from running shoes to health insurance. Fans watching the event on the company's streaming service, and you looked up the name of that, right? I did. And it's called? Yoku. Yoku. Their streaming service, Yoku, can even send virtual gifts and tips to their favorite runners. Once this strategy is replicated across other sports, Alibaba will slowly begin to involve itself in nearly every aspect of the Chinese sports market, media, advertising, retail, events, fitness, and health. And this will provide a blueprint for how other platforms like Amazon and Twitter should and should not go about using big data to penetrate the sports market. Speaking of Alibaba, the company's co-founder and executive chairman, Joseph Tsai, I believe that is, or it could be Tsai, I'm not sure, it's T-S-A-I, already owns 49% of the basketball team, the Brooklyn Nets. They officially purchased the New York Liberty, which is the women's league, the WNBA's uh, New York franchise. They're buying into American sports teams, too. That's interesting. Meanwhile, speaking of American sports... College football quarterbacks. We have one coming here to Mizzou next year. Oh, yeah, that's right. They are transferring at an amazing rate. In search of playing time and chasing NFL dreams, college football quarterbacks are transferring. New rules make that process even easier, so the trend will probably be continuing. Just to determine how common transferring has become, I've got to look at how many of the top quarterback recruits over the last five years have actually stayed put. So in the class of 2014, 13 of the 23 four- and five-star quarterback recruits transferred during their career. In the class of 2015, 13 of 23 have transferred. In the class of 2016, 13 of 21 four- and five-star quarterbacks have transferred. In the class of 2017, 8 of 24 have transferred. And in the class of 2018, 3 of 34 have transferred after just one season. And, of course, uh, Jalen Hurts, who's in that class of 16, is going from Alabama to Oklahoma. And, of course, we have a quarterback coming here. Uh, to Missouri next year. So I guess it's good. We got a lot of four- and five-star quarterbacks. I mean, only one can play at a time. So Exactly, yeah. CBS, that is the Columbia Broadcasting System, is not high on marijuana. <laughs> Says who? Well, <laughs> Right. You watch some of the programming these days, you're like, what are these people high? <laughs> CBS rejected a Super Bowl ad that would have advocated for the legalization of medical marijuana. This comes from Bloomberg. 
Acreage Holdings, which is the cannabis company backed by former House Speaker John Boehner, was hoping to raise awareness for constituents who were being lost in the dialogue over legalized medical cannabis. The proposed ad would have featured a veteran with combat injuries and a child with seizures, both of whom have benefited from medicinal cannabis. According to Acreage, which is one of the most valuable weed companies, <laughs> sorry, that just is funny to me. Growing up on a farm, we were always trying to eliminate the weeds. <laughs> now there are actually weed companies growing weeds, as referred to as marijuana weed. The most valuable weed companies is Acreage, with a market value north of $2.4 billion dollars. CBS rejected the ad after seeing a rough outline of what the ad was going to be looking like. Yeah, I'm not really sure how to respond to that. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, they just said we're not we're not going to advocate for medical purposes of getting high, I guess. Right. Um, I'm guessing at some point that that's going to change for them. That's a lot of money. Yeah. So, Summer Olympics is coming up this year, and Tokyo, Japan will host the Summer Olympics for the second time. And uh, so, got a trivia question for you. What year did Tokyo first host the Olympic Games? I don't know. Lyndon B. Johnson was our president, if that helps. So, the 60s? The year's number one song was I Want to Hold Your Hand by the Beatles, if that helps. Um, still, I'm guessing sometime in the 60s. 1964. There you go. I was two years old. I was one. <laughs> Little Tony was uno. Tokyo was also going to host one time before. Do you know when that was? No, I don't. 1940. But there was a little thing going on called World War II, which kind of knocked the Olympics out of being in Japan. So they were supposed to host in 1940. The Germans got the uh, 36 Olympics in, in Munich. Oh, yeah, that's right. And then the 40 Olympics were supposed to be in Tokyo, but because of World War II, that was kiboshed. And then 1964, they hosted it, and they haven't hosted it since until this year. Well, good for them. Yeah, Good for you, our Japanese friends, hosting the Summer Olympics this year. Are you ready for our stat of the day before we get to our special guest? I'm looking forward to it. Our special guest today is Lynette Smith, and she's written a book about how to write a gratitude letter. So if you're interested in sending a letter of gratitude, which will be cherished by the receiver for many years to come, you want to stay right here because I'm going to talk to Lynette about how to do that just as soon as we do our stat of the day. When an online negotiable price vacation package was presented against a blue background, research subjects made a best offer of $712 on average, but they went only as high as $684 when the background was red. Wow. Rajesh Bagchi of Virginia Tech and Amar Chima of the University of Virginia say, due to their research, red induces aggression, so it heightened participants' competitiveness with the seller and increased their determination to get a better deal. Now, red has the opposite effect in auctions, 
where greater aggression makes people willing to pay more in order to outbid the other bidders. This is according to the researchers. Right. So blue gets a better offer. Red gets you tougher negotiation, which you want to use if you're trying to sell something and get two people to fight over it. So put it, put it in red. That makes sense. Yeah. There are a lot of our listeners who are too young to remember the blue light special. Kmart. Yeah. So I don't know if they were using any of that technique. And then a lot of people have used the red tag. I don't know if that has proven to be good or bad. I don't know. Some people have even tried red noses, I think, to get people to stop in. And (laughs) Now, if they would have used a blue nose... Maybe they'd have gotten more participation. I don't know. Ah, yeah. Blue, best offer. Red, aggressive offer. So that's our latest ad of the day, Bill. Sounds good. Stay tuned. Lynette Smith is coming up next. She's uh, standing by, and I'll get to her. Better Than Before is sponsored by University Subaru. From here, been here, always will be here. University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. Hi, I'm Dave Drain. And I'm Dan Burks. And we're the owners of University Subaru. As a locally owned business, we care for our community. We know how important it is to give back because we grew up here and we raised our family here. This is our home. Which means we care for customers like we care for the community. University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. From here. Been here. And we will always be here for you. Are you ready to up your game? Attend the Exponential Leadership Retreat from February 26th through 28th. In these three days, you'll receive personalized leadership coaching in a small group setting led by Tony Richards. Learn to communicate like a leader, understand your motivators, and differentiate yourself from your peers. As a business coach and consultant, I work with leaders every day to help them up their game and lead their team to victory. During this leadership development experience, you will receive the tools you need to unlock your potential. Invest in yourself and gain the same access to Tony that his C-level clients receive. Register for the Exponential Leadership Retreat online at clearvisiondevelopment.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Better Than Before. I'm Tony Richards, and our special guest today is Lynette M. Smith. She's the award-winning author of the book, How to Write Heartfelt Letters to Treasure. And she's going to talk to us today how easy it is to write a meaningful letter of appreciation. Uh, Whereas spoken words and texts and emails are fleeting, a gratitude letter is very tangible and long-lasting. I've often been an advocate of leaving uh, handwritten notes uh, for people, so this sounds like there might even be a little bit more substance and meat to this kind of thing. Uh, Hi, Lynette. Welcome to the show. Why, thank you very much. How are you doing today? I'm doing okay. You know, um, it's winter here in Missouri, so we've had uh, some snow and some pretty cold temperatures. Not uh, as pleasurable as your weather there in California, but... uh, Well, well, we've got raindrops here steadily for about five days. (laughs) (laughs) So listen, uh, it's a great book, How to Write Heartfelt Letters to Treasure. What inspired you to write this book? 
back in 2008, November, our son got married and we were at the rehearsal dinner and he and his wife each brought out and surprised their own parents with a framed heartfelt letter of appreciation. They had their best man and maid of honor read those letters. And my son's letter talked about what it was like growing up in the family, the traits he most admired about his dad, and then the traits he most admired about me. Then he talked about the values he had learned growing up that he was planning to bring to his marriage. And then he thanked the both of us for all that we had done to make a good difference in his life. There wasn't a dry eye in the house, I'm telling you. When when they had those letters read aloud, we were, we just all had tears pouring down our faces. Uh, even today, and it's t more than 10 years later now, uh, that letter still holds a place of honor in our home, and it's proudly displayed. And you know what? What's weird is the lasting power of a letter like this. Every time I read it, my eyes well up again. My hand just kind of moves to my heart. It feels just as good as the first time. So that's the lasting power of one of these letters of appreciation. You know, I was reflecting over the holiday period. We just uh, came through. And uh, it always reminds me, when I look at the Christmas cards that I received uh, over the holiday period, I still get quite a few, but nothing compared to the ones my grandmother used to receive. And she used to post those Christmas cards around the door facings of the house. And she was so proud of them. And each one of them had something really special written inside the card. And, um, of course, letter writing used to be what people did. Uh, I don't remember the last time I received uh, a nice letter from someone. What do you think contributes to that? We just don't take the time to do it? or It's life in a hurry. And... It's also upbringing in terms of what is the etiquette. I mean, I'm part of the baby boomer generation, and that means that my peers and I all were spoiled rotten by our parents, but we were so special as children that, you know, we could do no wrong, and in some respects, they kind of forgot to tell us some of the things to do right sometimes, like the little niceties, like sending a thank you note for a gift you received. And now we baby boomers had kids, and it just never occurred to us to teach those kinds of values to our kids in the most, for the most part. And those kids don't know any better. They, they get a gift. They, they might even say thank you verbally or in a text. That's about it. A thank you note generally never occurs to them. And, and then we come to things like letters where they're appropriate when the magnitude of your gratitude is bigger than a thank you note. There are a lot of occasions in life where it's appropriate to send a letter like that and make that other person know they've made a positive difference. Because you know what? If you never tell them in a lasting way, they may never know or remember. They may go to their deathbed thinking, I wonder if I made a difference to anybody. Yeah. So... I can see the benefits are fairly obvious to the receiver. And you just mentioned a big one for the um, sender, which is I made a difference. Um, what are some of the other benefits that I would receive as a person who would send these letters to someone? Well, the nice thing is before you start writing one of these letters, you take a little time out and get quiet and you think 
long and hard about the person you're about to write to. And you're thinking about their positive traits and the things they've done in your life or in the lives of others that have made a difference and maybe demonstrate what those traits are. Getting quiet and thinking about that puts you into a good mental space to be focusing on the positive. I mean, with media and everything else today, God knows there's not enough positive going around. So stopping to think about that positive really puts you in a good, good space. And then once you're actually writing the letter, it feels good while you're writing. I have to say it feels just as good as receiving the letter to be able to write it. And it does warm your heart to know that you're really taking the time to express to another individual the difference they've made. And it flat out feels good. As a matter of fact, you may just decide you like this habit and you're going to do this more often because it does feel so good. You know, um, listeners of our show know that uh, I have advocated for them to carve out some strategic time for themselves uh, every week. And then I, from time to time, give them advice on how to use that time. This sounds like you're providing an excellent um, reason for them to spend some time. So in this strategic time, I'm speaking to the audience now, you could do exactly what Lynette is suggesting. You need to sit down and as far as enhancing your relationships, spend that time uh, doing what she said and, and being able to write one of these kinds of uh, correspondence with someone who's important to you. Now, let's get back to the book, uh, How to Write Heartfelt Letters to Treasure. W what about this book is unique and especially useful? Well, first of all, it's comprehensive, and there is no other book like it on the market in that respect because it doesn't just say fill in the blanks and write this letter and pretend it came from your heart. <laughs> it prompts you. It gives you some tools. It, it shows you how to write over 150 types of gratitude letters, and out of those, over 30 of them are for business applications, like for supervisors at all levels, employees, coaches, mentors, manufacturers of excellent products, above and beyond service providers, star referral sources, and people who've given great customer service. So a lot of this book does focus on the business applications day to day. In addition, one of the appendices is a list, it's 15 lists actually, demographic lists of positive words. Each one, let's say for a middle-aged man or a service provider or someone religious or spiritual, each of these lists has 72 of the most powerful positive words to describe someone special. So when you're thinking about who you're going to write to, it really helps when you know who you're going to write to, to look at a list like this and go, oh, this person has this, 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 and this quote. I think I'll focus on those qualities in my letter. I couldn't quite think of the words, but now I've got them. So that's useful. It offers thought-provoking ideas for writing the letters. It gives you context. It says, what if? Do you remember when? And, and so forth. It asks prompting questions that will get you thinking about the kinds of things you might want to put in your letter. And it gives you sentence jump starts you know, when your battery won't start, just in case. It's not going to be a total fill-in-the-blanks thing, but it's just, I remember back when we blank. Well, guess what? You get to fill that in. But those are the things you can rely on if your, your pen just won't start. 
It also provides uh, advice on writing. I mean, it's obviously the writing, but also the packaging and presenting of a letter like this gives you some good ideas how to plan it and then package it and present it that could actually add meaning to the experience. So that's really cool. It's got a, a section in there that tells you the basics that would apply to every kind of letter. It's got different chapters about special occasions, the kind you'd find on the calendar. And then it's got chapters about special occasions that you're going to make special, you know, such as somebody's about to retire. And there are, at some point, I'd like to share with you just five basic elements to include. This is the cliff notes for what to do to write one of those letters. Would you like them? I would. I'm, I'm on the edge of my seat. I've got, my pen. I've got my pen and my journal out right now. I'm ready. Excellent. Start with a shared memory you both treasure. Then go on to describe the person's most admirable qualities, perhaps with examples. Then describe the positive difference this person has made in your life or in the lives of others. Then tell them you're grateful. Then sign your letter. Done. Well, that's a very helpful and useful framework to follow. I think I could do that. I think anyone could do that. <laughs> now, the question may come up, do you type it or handwrite it? Yeah, that's a good question. You're allowed to type it, but you can also handwrite it. It depends on, think, think of it this way, what would your recipient most appreciate? I could see where if I was writing a letter to my mom, which you've inspired me to do by the first story you told, I could see handwriting that out because I know my mom can read my writing but if I was sending it to a client or a colleague, I might want to type it because I don't know that everybody could read my writing. <laughs> right. But also in certain business contexts, a typewritten letter is better. And suppose that you have a star employee and that person has gone the extra mile and done something really above and beyond. And you want to write a letter to that person and tell them how much you appreciate it. And of course, you're going to include a copy for HR, right? That is a perfect example of where you would want a typewritten letter. Business contexts in general would call for that typewritten letter. If, if you've got someone who's given you fantastic referrals over the years, and it's not just a quick little thank you note you're dashing off, type that letter. But hand sign it. Absolutely hand sign it. I can see where that signature is really the way to top it off. I do a lot of work with executive teams. We do a lot of retreats together and things of that nature. Is there a way that some of this could be utilized with a work team or people who, um, you know, they interact with each other at work? Sure. Turn your workplace into a thank tank. <laughs> and here's how to do that. Go to a website called wordle.net. That's spelled W-O-R-D-L-E dot net. This is a free little toy, if you will, that allows you to make something they call a word cloud, an assemblage creatively presented and colorful of individual words. You've seen them in one place or another over the time. But just imagine now if you've got a team or you've got a retreat and a group of people and you've got somebody there who acts as the admin assistant, you distribute amongst the members of the team a piece of paper that's got everybody else's, everybody's name on it and a blank line after it. And what you ask everybody to do is to 
write down one or two positive words next to each person's name. You don't have to put your own name on it. There's no reason to. And then you turn it in back to the administrative assistant who compiles these into one list so that all the words describing John Doe are going to be right next to John Doe's name. And if the same word has come up more than once, put a star next to it. Now, when you go into wordle.net, it's just a matter of typing words into a box. But the little trick is this. You type the person's name three times because that'll make it in the biggest type. Then you type the words that have the stars next to them twice each, and that'll make a medium-sized type. And then all the rest of the words, you just type them after that. And then you push a button, and it makes a word cloud out of all these words, and the name is the biggest, and the, the most popular words are the next biggest, and then the rest of them are all around. And if you don't like the layout, push another button, and it'll rearrange it, and so forth. When you hit on the perfect layout, you print it and have some kind of a meeting or a gathering where everybody receives these then all about themselves, what their colleagues think of them. This is a list that's going to be a list. It's This word cloud is a little work of art, but they're going to want to display them in their workspaces and they're going to become a topic of conversation. They're obviously going to make the employees feel good about themselves to see what everybody else thinks about them. But also you can see people coming over, oh, that's my word there that I put in there for you. And you talk about that. And can you not see how the workplace suddenly blossoms and focuses on the positive? And every time you look up from your desk, you see this thing that has positive words describing yourself. And you want to do a good job at work and you want to treat your coworkers with respect. It's wonderful. I'm going to implement this. This sounds wonderful. There is no downside to it. Really? So I'm curious, um, since you've written this book, have you gotten any letters of gratitude from anyone for writing the book? Not per se. A lot of verbals. A couple of thank you notes, but not real full-on letters. I think when the magnitude of your gratitude is bigger than a thank you note, I think they're, they're grateful to get the book and it does serve a purpose for them. But they're reserving their creativity for the people they're going to write to based on the book. So you've been on all the major networks. You've been on CBS News. You've been on Fox. You've been on NBC and ABC. So it's all started uh, at a wedding, and you had an idea. How has this affected you uh, writing this book and helping enhance the relationships of so many people? It's given me a life purpose. I have something I call a big achievable goal, which is, to get millions of people to write these heartfelt letters of appreciation so they can establish, enhance, and even rebuild their relationships and in that way change their world. So I've got a standard list of closing questions. I ask everybody who comes on the show. Uh, it's 12, and uh, I just want you to answer with whatever comes off the top of your head. How's that sound? Sounds good. Number one, what is the best memory that immediately comes to mind for you? Hunting for arrowheads in Texas as a kid. Uh, who's the number one hero in your life? Byron, my son. What does Byron do? He works at AutoZone. He's an assistant store manager, and he's the greatest family man you'll ever want to meet. That's fantastic. What is the top value you subscribe to as a person? 
I use the words from Mark Twain, always do right. This will gratify some people and astonish the rest. <laughs> Who's the most important person in your life? My husband, Ben. And what does Ben do? He is retired. He was a senior test engineer for a computer manufacturing firm. That's great. Yeah. What's your favorite thing in the whole world? Words. <laughs> What's your favorite food? Mexican food. What's your favorite Mexican dish? Tamales. What's the most beautiful place you've ever been to? Red Rock Canyon, California. If you could describe success in one word, what would that word be? Why did diligence want to come out of my mouth? I don't know, but there it is. It takes diligence to be an author. Uh, how do you want to be remembered? Kindness. What's some advice you would give for a younger Lynette? Don't be afraid to be yourself. You don't have to please anybody else but yourself, but be kind in the process. What's, the, what's your favorite sound? I kind of enjoy the sound of silence. <laughs> Good. And what is the best lesson you've learned? That one makes me think a long time because I've learned a lot of lessons, but I can't isolate any one given one. Uh, just truthfulness will out. So Lynette Smith is our guest. She's the award-winning author of this book called How to Write Heartfelt Letters to Treasure. And you've been listening to a lot of this uh, content and ways to apply this. It's absolutely fabulous. Lynn, how, uh, how else can people find out more about you? Well, you can find out more about writing letters and, and the various publications, because I've got some smaller themed guides as well on writing these letters, at goodwaystowrite.com. I am still in the career as a copy editor, formatter, and proofreader of book manuscripts and book layouts. If anyone out there is writing a book and wants to communicate with me about that, go to allmybest.com. Dot com for more information there. Also, you can go to YouTube and see several little video snippets that relate to writing these heartfelt letters of appreciation. And at YouTube, my ID is the initials AMB, which stands for all of my best, but just use those initials AMB and then spell out good ways to write and run it all together. And that's my YouTube ID. I have a Facebook page, too, and it's called Good Ways to Write, and that would be good to look at as well. I'm going to go to all those. Great. Because I'm going to make some kind of goal this year of writing uh, some of these letters. I think it's a tremendous idea, and I encourage, I'm going to encourage my clients to do it as well. And I really appreciate you being on the show today. It's been my absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, Tony. Great. Lynette Smith writing letters of gratitude, and we'll have your business and leadership lesson coming up next on Better Than Before. Hi, I'm Dave Drain. And I'm Dan Burks. And we're the owners of University Subaru. As a locally owned business, we care for our community. We know how important it is to give back because we grew up here and we raised our family here. This is our home. Which means we care for customers like we care for the community. University Subaru your truly locally owned dealer. From here, been here, and we will always be here for you. Receive weekly coaching tips from Tony Richards, delivered straight to your inbox. Whether you're a CEO or an entrepreneur, Tony can help you reach your goals and give you a competitive edge within your industry. Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo covers topics ranging from leadership development to teamwork to company culture and more. 
text the word leadership to 38470 to sign up for Tony's Monday morning coaching memo or sign up online at clearvisiondevelopment.com. Welcome back to Better Than Before. I'm Tony Richards with your business and leadership lesson. And this week, I'm going to give you some more tips on how you can spend your strategic time. You know, we talked about uh, back in a previous podcast about how you need to carve out time for yourself during the week. And when people were trying to do it, they were giving me feedback about how difficult it was to fill that time. What, what are we supposed to be doing so I've been giving you some various tips about how to fill your strategic time so that it's more productive for you. And this week, I want to talk to you about the topic of getting organized, spending some of your strategic time to get organized. And you primarily need to get organized in three specific areas. First area is time. Second area is space. And the third area is technology. So time, space, and technology. Let's take the first things first. So time, organizing and creating the space you need and the time you need so everything doesn't happen at once. You know, a lot of people suffer from what I call competing commitments because they've said yes too much and they have agreed to too many things and these things are all crashing into each other and they're like, I just don't have enough time. Well, you gave all your time away when you said yes and you committed. And so you need to be more self-aware and cognizant about the things that you say yes to because when you say yes to something, Everything else should get a no, but you don't do that. You keep saying yes, right? Which is how you got in the position to begin with. You need to get a physical planner, or if you're not a physical type planner person, you need to get electronic. Uh, I personally use both. I have an online calendar that my staff has access to so they can see what my schedule is and what I have planned for that day, but I also carry around a physical planner because I need, one of my needs is I need to write things down physically. I can't just make notes on it on a computer. If I really want to get it into my neurological systems, I have to write it. So it's good for me to write down all my commitments on the days that I've committed to them and write down the top five things that I'm going to be doing that day that are uber important. And make sure that those things get accomplished and that I allow and allocate the specific amount of time to each one of those five things to make sure that uh, I have time enough to do them. If I'm going over to... Uh, the near this near nearby town and I'm doing a half a day uh, workshop with a group well then I can't give that time to anybody else I've already given it to this group of people so from 9 a.m till noon let's say everything else gets a no uh, I've already said yes to nine to noon now what I do from one to five or what I do from 6 a.m to 9 a.m that that time is open or perhaps it's not open it may not be optional to give that away I'm a person who very strongly believes in a morning routine 
So a lot of times my mornings from 6 until 7.30 are already spoken for because I've, I've used uh, that for my strategic time. So you need to get organized with your time. You need to take your physical planner or your electronic planner and go ahead and look at your year and put your vacations in first. Figure out what the days are that you're going to be going on vacation or that you need off and you need to put those in before things get busy because then you're going to be looking through all your busy time trying to find time for your vacation. You need to do it in the reverse. While your calendar is clean, uh, go in and mark off those days uh, and set those aside for yourself and for your downtime. If you want to schedule downtime for yourself and rest time, go in and put that on your calendar. And then don't budge off of it. Keep keep it there. And then schedule then accordingly as commitments come up and as work comes up. Uh, schedule around those things. But you already have your vacation time and your downtime laid in. And now we can schedule around that for uh, time commitments. Let me give you one more thought about that too. When you feel overwhelmed, Overwhelmed is created when you lose control of your time. So when you are no longer the driving force of your own time and you've lost control of it, that is when you feel the overwhelm. So as long as you maintain control of your time and you negotiate that time properly, you're not going to have to worry about those overwhelming feelings. Number two is space. You need to have things around you that are pleasing to you. So you need to manage your space. Me, I get clutter stress. So I don't like a lot of clutter in my spaces. It doesn't matter if it's a relaxing space or my work space or whatever. I don't like things just piled around and laying around. I like it to be neat and clean. That provides a conducive atmosphere for me to work well. But I want to encourage you around your space, put things in there that remind you of things that you enjoy and things that make you happy. Uh, for some people, that's lots of pictures of their family, lots of pictures of fun trips and times that they've had, awards that they've won, or things that they've purchased that uh, remind them of various things that, that are just pleasing. In my office at my home, I have a very large print framed of George Washington. It's a painting, of course, not a photo. We didn't have photos back then. But a painting of George Washington praying at Valley Forge. It symbolizes to me a very difficult, tough time for one of our greatest leaders who prevailed. And one of the ways he prevailed was he took strategic time for himself and uh, had prayer and was able then to rally his troops who were running out of food and they were getting sick and it was bitterly cold that winter and a lot of snow. And if you've never, if you've never read much about the Valley Forge winter that Washington's troops went through in 1775, you need to do that. And what's cool about it is the very next year we would declare independence in 1776. 
he had a breakthrough not long after that. They broke through the winter at Valley Forge. And that painting, whenever I look at it, I'm at, I'm at my workspace at my house and I look at that painting and I, I just get energy from it. I get encouragement from it. I see a leader who was in the distress and, and despair, but, but persevered and prevailed. And that's what I'm saying. You need to have things that symbolize happiness and victory and hard work and accomplishments. Surround yourself with those things in your personal space, right? Uh, things that make you happy. I have some sports things, you know, around me. I have some books that I enjoy around me, uh, uh, you know, but you need to organize your space that is most conducive to your happiness and your motivation. It's a productive space and it spurs you on to be productive. And, you know, sometimes companies have certain rules about your workspace uh, at work and they will only allow you to do certain things. But whatever within the company's rules you can do, I say do it. And then finally, the third area is technology. Don't let technology rule you. You rule technology, right? Use something so you don't have to worry about checking it. And now, uh, at least on the uh, iOS Apple system, they're sending me a message every weekend that tells me how much screen time I use during the week. I'm always proud when it says I have reduced my screen time by so-and-so percent. And I average about two and a half hours a week on my cell phone. That is what it typically comes out to be according to the stats that uh, show up on Saturday. And I'm usually reducing it a couple of percent every week. So I'm slowly but surely becoming less dependent on my, my phone, at least as far as screen time is concerned. But we could chase those electronic tools until they wear us out. I mean, we really could. And they can be very vicious distractions that we don't really need. Control the monkeys, right? So when the monkeys come on your desk, you know, you have to train the ones that belong to you and shoo off the ones that don't. So watch out for those monkeys that, that come into your life. You don't have to say yes, and you don't have to justify no. I'll repeat that. You don't have to say yes, and you don't have to justify your no. I've told this story before, but uh, I think at church is one place where I would get funny looks because people would uh, ask me if I was going to be at the picnic on Sunday, and I'd say no. And they'd say, well, they were waiting for my excuse, like, well, uh, Sunday we got this or we got that, so we won't be able to make it. Well, I, I mean, I wasn't planning on going, so I just said no, right? You don't have to justify your no. Uh, you just aren't planning on attending that event. Uh, I, and I guess if they're really persistent and come back and ask you why not, I guess you can tell them. But you don't have to say yes to every request, and you don't have to justify no, this, my friends, is true freedom. It really is. When you don't feel pressured into a yes and you don't have to justify your no, you are a true free human being. Organization is key to control. And how in control are you really as far as your organization? If I were to ask you, what about your time? How much control over your time do you think you currently have? How much control over your space that you occupy? And how much control over your technology do you have? 
Is your time running you? Is your space running you? Is your technology running you? Or are you ruling your time? Are you ruling your space? And are you ruling your technology? It is something to deeply consider the next time you schedule some strategic time for yourself. I hope you enjoyed today's show. I know I did. I found out blue and red have a very distinct uh, advantage as far as how you price things and how you decide to offer on prices. And also, uh, Lynette was here today, and I learned how to, you know, roughly outline and do a gratitude letter, which I think is really, really cool. And we wound up with our business and leadership lesson on uh, getting organized in three areas, your time, your space, and your technology. On behalf of our associate producer, Whitney Coker, and our chief producer, William Foster, I'm Tony Richards, your host with the show Better Than Before. And just as a reminder, everything gets better when you get better. Thank you for listening to Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast powered by Clear Vision Development Group. For more resources from Tony, visit clearvisiondevelopment.com. Join us next time for another episode of Better Than Before with Tony Richards. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.